0: Phil Bryant and the Honorable Morris McTeague QSO.
1: America's Roundtable from Washington D.C. brings together leading voices from business, government, media, technology, healthcare, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcast, Amazon, Spotify, Google, and Fireside. Visit iLeadersSummit.org. iLeadersSummit.org. Welcome to America's Roundtable.
0: This weekend on America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting in the Midwest and Supertalk Media in the South, we're delighted to welcome His Excellency Ambassador Shaikh Abdullah bin Rashid bin Abdullah al-Khalifa, the Kingdom of Bahrain's official representative in Washington, D.C. He obtained his bachelor's degree from Bentley University. He continued his studies at the same university and received a Master in Business Administration. He attained a certificate from the Harvard Kennedy School focusing on innovation in governance as part of his executive education program. His postgraduate career started at the Royal Court, where he worked and oversaw educational, medical, and social affairs. In 2010, he was appointed as governor of the Southern Governorate of the Kingdom of Bahrain, the largest in size and with the highest potential for development. And on June 23, 2017, His Majesty King Hamad bin Isa Al-Khalifa issued a royal decree appointing Shaikh Abdullah bin Rashid bin Abdullah al-Khalifa as the ambassador of the Kingdom of Bahrain to the United States of America. And on this note, we extend to Ambassador Khalifa a warm welcome and a good morning to you, sir.
1: Welcome, Ambassador Khalifa.
2: Good morning Natasha and Joel. It's great to be with you on this radio broadcast. I look forward to the discussion.
1: Thank you. The Kingdom of Bahrain is a constitutional monarchy located east of Saudi Arabia. There is a long history of the U.S.-Bahrain friendship and partnership. Missionaries from Minnesota visited Bahrain in the late 1800s and established an American mission hospital which is still serving patients in Bahrain today. Bahrain is also home to the United States Navy's 5th Fleet, which has been responsible for naval forces in the area since 1995. U.S. Naval Forces Central Command is responsible for approximately 2.5 million square miles of area, including the Arabian Gulf, Gulf of Oman, North Arabian Sea, Gulf of Aden and the Red Sea. The U.S. Naval Forces Central Command's mission is to conduct maritime security operations, theater security cooperation efforts and strengthen partner nations' maritime capabilities in order to promote security and stability in the U.S. Fifth Fleet area of operations. Ambassador Al-Khalifa, could you kindly share with the listening audience about this unique friendship and partnership between America and Bahrain?
2: Well, this unique relationship is uh, long, it's deep-rooted, and it's multifaceted. I think that uh, you clearly stated how long it it is. It started out in the 1800s, and we are celebrating the 50th year of formal relations between the U.S. and Bahrain this year. But the interesting part is that it started out as a people-to-people relationship, and it grew to what it is today. I think that uh, one uh, radio broadcast session is not enough to talk about where we were from day one to where we've gotten today. But obviously there's uh, there's a lot to talk about. When I say a deep-rooted and multifaceted relationship, I'm talking about on the educational front, on the economic front, on the security front, on the defense front, on technology front. There are so many different areas that we can highlight. Most significant probably would be the designation of Bahrain as a major non-NATO ally back in 2002, the signing of a free trade agreement in 2006 that has generated additional commercial opportunities for both countries, the location of the U.S. Navy's Fifth Fleet, like you rightfully stated, and so many other initiatives that have brought both our people and our nations closer together. If you allow me to highlight just a few things. Uh, When we talk about the free trade agreement, for example, it was signed in 2006. We've seen it to triple trade both ways. We have seen pre-pandemic numbers to hit historic high levels of $3 billion back in 2018. And we're seeing growth. So that trajectory is a very positive trajectory. When it comes to the FDA, we not only have we provided an opportunity for U.S. companies to market in Bahrain and to penetrate the Bahraini market, but also the region as a whole. When you look at the region, we're talking about 300 million consumers. And so I think what Bahrain brings to the table is not only a bilateral chance for furthering cooperation, but one that will provide more for the United States in the region as a whole, and not only in the uh, trade sphere, but also in others.
0: The significance of the Abraham Accords is something that we've talked about on America's Roundtable, and the signing of the Abraham Accords was truly an extraordinary accomplishment of leaders of countries which signed this extraordinary accord. This most certainly ushered a new era in the Middle East and the world, a historic endeavor that will change the trajectory for the region, specifically on the economic security and trade fronts. Bahrain was one of the original signatories of the Abraham Accords, along with Israel, the United Arab Arab Emirates, with Morocco and Sudan joining as well, and all committing to pursue a vision of peace, security, and prosperity in the Middle East and around the world. In a recent Newsweek piece, you stated, and I quote, There were so many steps that were taken in the past 20 years or so to get us to the point where His Majesty could say, this is what we want to do. And then we got to the point where we were part of the Accords. And now what we have to do is build upon these successes. Unquote. Ambassador Al-Khalifa, what are your thoughts about the significance of the Abraham Accords? And could you kindly share with us about the progress that you are observing in Bahrain and the region as a result of signing these historic accords? First of all, I, I just can't believe how much has been done in
2: such a short period of time. Since its inception in 2020, the Abraham Accords have definitely unleashed unprecedented momentum amidst the challenges of a global pandemic. And so I guess I call the first year the foundational year. It's where countries were setting the foundations to start to build upon. And in that year, we had embassies that were open. We had ambassadors that were appointed, a number of high-level delegations both ways. And we were working on areas that sometimes don't come to mind when you think of two countries that are starting to establish relations with one another. I talk about mail, sending mail from one country to another, transportation. Today we have uh, our national carrier that flies to Tel Aviv, direct flights twice a week. You talk about commercial goods flying from one country to another. All of that needed time for government agencies, and private sector companies to come together and lay down the foundation. In the first year alone, we have seen $4.1 million in trade between the two countries, going from zero uh, back in 2020. But I guess the Accords are a true testament and a reflection of His Majesty the King's vision for Bahrain and the region. And like I stated many times, September of 2020 wasn't day one. It was a culmination of years of work to exactly do what needed to be done at that given time. What we have seen the Accords do is it has shifted the mindset in the region. There were a lot of untapped potential that today we're very grateful because of the Accords we're seeing uh, momentum. There's more work to be done. There are more announcements that are being done. The U.S. played an integral part in bringing the Accords together, and we're continuing to see it across uh, the different branches of government. Recently, the uh, members of Congress came together and established a Congressional Abraham Accords Caucus, and I think that provides us an opportunity to highlight successes and to look at opportunities between members, but also keeping in mind the integral role that the United States has, and hopefully will continue to play within the Abraham Accords. As we speak uh, today, we have a high level dignitary from the state of Israel in Bahrain that's about to announce a historic deal, but uh, I guess uh, that's gonna be coming within the next couple of hours.
0: Well, we'll certainly stay tuned for that important announcement. And it truly is commendable to see this historic endeavor uh, taking that very important next step by further strengthening the ties between people. And as you've shared, Ambassador Al-Khalifa, is how that foundation has been set in place uh, during the year 2021 and for greater things to happen this coming year in 2022. Joel, if I may interject for a second. There's an important element that I need
2: to highlight is that Bahrain, for many years, has always had an indigenous Jewish society living in harmony within the country itself. Not only that, but we also have the only functional Jewish synagogue in the region that was uh, recently renovated. I visited the, the synagogue last year and I was interested to see how it's been renovated, but also a small store that opened up across from the synagogue that sells kippahs and candles. And it just comes to show that uh, the direct flights from Bahrain to Tel Aviv and back are going to bring in tourists, are going to bring in those that want to understand the significant role that Bahrain played and that His Majesty continues to advocate for and the message of peace, coexistence, and tolerance— And I think with time, people will appreciate how important leadership is to provide the environment necessary for people to peacefully coexist. Indeed.
1: Indeed. We have learned, Ambassador Al-Khalifa, we have learned about Bahrain's thriving economy and its strong financial and technology sectors. Bahrain is home to one of the largest aluminum smelters in the Middle East region and in various reports mentioned as the top world's aluminum smelters ex-China or outside of China. Bahrain is a major tourist destination. U.S. and Bahrain signed a free trade agreement in 2006 that you just mentioned and also recently passed a new legislation which allows foreign citizens 100% ownership of their Bahrain-based companies. When we met recently, you also shared about Bahrain building a free trade zone and establishing itself as a financial and logistical hub between Asia, Europe, and Africa. Ambassador Al-Khalifa, what is your message to Americans who are interested in visiting Bahrain as tourists, potential investors, or looking for business opportunities? It is also interesting to mention that Bahrain has a population of 1.7 million people and access to a much larger market within Gulf Cooperation Council, comprising of estimated over 65 million people, as well as to the Arab League, which totals 407 million people of its member countries, mostly living in the Middle East and Northern Africa.
2: Look, historically Bahrain has always been on a trade route. Uh, It's been open for commerce, it's been open for trade, And I think that the demographic of Bahrain today is a clear reflection of that openness. And so needless to say, trade and investment are one of the most important pillars within our society today. We've learned very early on that we needed to diversify away from oil. And so we started this process decades ago. We looked at different industries, obviously um, aluminum is our biggest export. And we are proud to say that uh, we've always relied on US technology to help us modernize the plant. And that was done very recently. And we uh, had a partnership with Bechtel that has brought us to a point where Bahrain is considered to have one of the biggest aluminum smelters outside of China. And so there are so many opportunities. I mean, the most important and most significant step that Bahrain has taken is that we have tried to create a healthy ecosystem that eases investment and growth while at the same time maintaining a high standard of a quality of living. And so to attract investment, the country needed to come up with Uh, many different legislations that will make business friendlier. So the establishment of the Economic Development Board, the launching of an economic vision called the Economic Vision 2030, all of these initiatives have helped us identify sectors and grow. Some of the most important elements within any investor that wants to come in Obviously, 100% foreign ownership of business assets, zero corporate tax, zero income tax, the access to a highly skilled and bilingual local and global workforce have positioned Bahrain in a unique uh, position to attract investment. So it doesn't come as a surprise to see companies like Amazon Web Services, Citibank, JP Morgan, establish themselves in Bahrain and cater to the whole region. I shouldn't forget uh, the company that uh, produces uh, Oreo cookies is also (laughs) situated in Bahrain, and and that's a a household delight. But uh, I guess what I'm trying to say here is that the government has created what is necessary to attract investment. We've also bridged between the local economy and the regional economy through uh, some of the initiatives like a conference that uh, we call Gateway Gulf, bringing in Gulf partners and ensuring that companies that set up shop in Bahrain are able to access uh, neighboring markets as well.
0: It's really wonderful to be able to discuss the potential of augmenting investments, commerce and trade between the Kingdom of Bahrain and the United States. And as you've clearly articulated, uh, we're not looking at just the trade between america and bahrain but to a much larger market as well and ambassador al-khalifa could you kindly share with us about your most recent efforts and initiatives in your role as ambassador of the kingdom of bahrain to the united states of america well there are
2: uh, so many initiatives that were taken in the past four years that have led to uh, results i'm happy to say that uh, because of our long standing relationship with the United States, we were able to achieve a lot in the relationship. Uh, we've had so many different high level delegations. We've signed so many different MOUs, innovative MOUs. One of them being the dedication of a US free trade zone in Bahrain, giving US companies an edge over any other company that's trying to set up shop in Bahrain. Uh, It's those different initiatives that have helped strengthen the relationship. But from an embassy point of view, we have seen that the most important element that will lead to success is information. And so we did two things. One, we launched a campaign called bahrainusa.com. That website has all what is needed for anyone looking to invest Uh, relocate, set up shop in Bahrain, or even look at opportunities beyond trade. The other uh, is very similar to what we're doing here. I found that within the past four and a half years, I have heard so many interesting conversations that could be offered to the public. But unfortunately, they were in um, closed meetings and um, some gatherings. And so I said, to myself you know what why don't I launch a platform to enable people to hear some of what I had the pleasure and honor of hearing and so uh, a number of uh, weeks ago we launched a podcast called Bahrain Banter that's great and uh, I invite everyone to uh, to listen to it we've had a number of episodes now but it's one of the things where I'm on the other side of uh, the fence, asking the questions and not uh, <laughs> having to reply to them.
1: I just wanted also to share with our listening audience about the most recent news, and it goes back to the Fifth Fleet, uh, namely this past week, the US-led maritime exercise was launched in Bahrain, with the participation of 60 countries, including Israel. And according to US Central Command, the training will include 9,000 personnel and up to 50 ships from more than 60 partner nations and international organizations operating across two regions. And one of the fleet's primary tasks is securing the transport of oil shipments to the region amid continued tension with Iran. So our partnership with Bahrain is really very significant.
2: One of the things that we touched upon very quickly, but I think it's worth the extra couple of minutes, is to talk about the importance and the significance of the defense relationship. Because again, it starts out as a bilateral relationship. Bahrain signed a defense cooperation agreement with the United States. Yes, Bahrain was announced as a major non-NATO ally, as a strategic security partner. But what we have been able to do is do more than what was expected by hosting a number of other like-minded countries to assist the United States, Bahrain, and the others in maintaining maritime security in the Arabian Gulf. So what that does is it basically lessens the burden on the United States, while at the same time provides a platform for the U.S. to engage and interact with its allies from its base in Bahrain. There are multiple coalitions that were formed. Those coalitions have helped uh, at times of need. Take, for example, Afghanistan. Within 72 hours, we were able to uh, set up a transit point for those uh, that were leaving Afghanistan at the time. And it's those times where Bahrain highlights its uh, its strength. And uh, I think that uh, it's an enduring relationship. It's one that we will see a lot of advancements in. And again, there's a direct National security interest for Bahrain and the United States at the same time when we have a calmer maritime security situation that won't affect commerce, that won't affect the price of gas, that that has so many ramifications on Americans and their homeland.
0: Indeed, this has been so enlightening, Ambassador Al-Khalifa, to learn more about the significance of America's ties with the Kingdom of Bahrain, and how there are so many opportunities. A great number of our listeners are entrepreneurs, business leaders. They're involved in exporting products around the world. Uh, So for them to learn more about the opportunities, we encourage them to visit BahrainUSA.com. And uh, as the Ambassador has kindly mentioned, uh, he's got a new podcast that he recently unveiled called Bahrain Banter, so we would encourage you all to uh, uh, certainly visit that as well. And uh, we would just like to take this opportunity to thank His Excellency Ambassador Shaikh Abdullah bin Rashid bin Abdullah al-Khalifa, the Kingdom of Bahrain's official representative in Washington, D.C., to joining us here on America's Roundtable Radio. Thank you, sir, for your time, and we thank you so much for your continued leadership in drawing our nations closer on the important fronts of security, trade, commerce.
1: Thank you, Basra Khalifa.
0: Natasha and Joel, thank you for the
2: opportunity. This was great. I also want to extend a uh, thank you to all the listeners. And uh, I, I look forward to talking to you.
0: the former Governor of Mississippi, Phil Bryant, and the Honorable Morris McTeague, QSO.
1: America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C. brings together leading voices from business, government, media, technology, healthcare, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, Google, and Fireside. Visit iLeadersSummit.org.
2: iLeadersSummit.org.